You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, Giants fans, and welcome to a new edition of the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio. Please like, share, and subscribe on YouTube, and subscribe across the Big Blue View Radio podcast network as well. All right, we're going to talk Jets-Giants today with the Saturday evening preseason game at MetLife Stadium, this one hosted by the Giants which means we don't have to look at that stadium all lit up in green, which is which is really nice from a Giants perspective. It always just looks weird to me when I drive by it and it's and it's in green. But uh, here to help me uh, break all of that down is Big Blue Views Rivka Board, who also works for Jet X. Rivka, I know that uh, th- that me taking pot shots at the Jets is is. is uh, is making you kind of squirm a little bit, but but I can't help it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, that's that's what I uh, that that's pretty much par for the course when I you know with the crossover, that's just what you're going to get, and it goes both ways. And, and of course, it does. And and yes, before we even get into it, MetLife Stadium is ugly. We get it; it's ugly, but. You know, we just have to deal with the fact that it's owned by two teams and it needs to be neutral. So, yes, Giants fans, it's the Jets' fault. <laughs> well, I mean, the Jets, Jets have always been the renters, even though technically they're not. They're still – this is this is Giants Stadium that the Jets happen to play in. Yeah, that is that is how Giants fans look at it. So we we blame every we blame everything on the Jets. So it it is what it is. And yes, the silly phone is ringing in the background, but we'll just have to deal with that. So it is that's that's life when you're doing a podcast from home. So we'll just deal with that anyway. Rivka, let's talk Jets. And Aaron Rodgers is going to play Saturday night. How do you feel about that? How do Jets fans feel about that? Um, so, and do you think there's benefit to it, you know, for the Jets? So, first of all, how do I feel about it? I mean, I was just hoping that wouldn't happen. Salah had mentioned, Robert Salah had mentioned, um, you know, a, a, I think it was the beginning of training camp that were even maybe the beginning of the preseasons that Rodgers might play against the Giants. I was hoping he would change his mind. Um, I think most Jets fans feel the same way that I do, which is basically just please don't let him get hurt. Please don't let him get hurt. Um, And in terms of is there any benefit, I could see there being a benefit because Rodgers more so than even other quarterbacks really needs to be on the same page with his receivers because he likes to throw into – you know, timing passes, you know, that are not, they're, they're safe passes in the sense that if the receiver does what they're supposed to do, it'll be right on target. But if they don't do what they're supposed to do, the risk is 
pretty high because he will he will fit it into narrow windows at times um you know and and so i think he does need a little bit more game action with his receivers by the same token is the risk worth the reward i'm not sure about that it's interesting though because you and i both know that robert sala can say whatever he wants he didn't make this decision aaron Rodgers made this decision Aaron Rodgers is not going to play in a preseason game for the first time in, I think, five years unless he wants to play. So Sala can say can say it was his choice, but it's, it's Rodgers' choice. So if something bad happens, then, you know, then Rodgers was on board with playing, so... I mean, he the way Salah said it is that they spoke to each other. I'm I'm gonna guess that Salah might have wanted to try to convince Rogers out of it, but you know, again, Rogers like any other great quarterback, pretty much, you know, they de- they decide what to do with especially veteran quarterbacks. They they decide about the preseason. Pretty much, and the reality of it is, this is going to be. Pretty much what Daniel Jones did for the Giants the other day. This is going to be one series if it goes well. It's going to be two series at most, even if it doesn't go well. They're going to get him in and out of there, and they're going to do everything they can to uh, to make sure he doesn't get hit. I mean, you would think so. The thing is that Salah did say it's um, we want to get him in there for more than just one series. He did mention that in a press conference a couple of days ago, so it could be that it'll be two. Um, but as you said, yeah. it could be if it's successful, it could be that they would stick to one. Um, yeah, I mean, it, trying to prevent him getting hit has been very hard because the Jets' offensive line has been a disaster. Yeah, what what is the state of the of the Mackay Becton Jets offensive line these days. So they just got first of all they just got Dwayne Brown back off the uh, off pup after he was there the whole preseason he had sh- shoulder surgery he played the whole last year with a torn labor with a torn rotator cuff. Um, so he had surgery after the season and he finally just came off pup. He's not, I, I assume he's not going to play in the game, but they did get him back. Mackay Becton's going to start at right tackle. He started at right tackle last week against Tampa and looked dominant. Um, so, you know, I assume that he'll be in there for sure. As long as Rogers is perhaps a little longer because they're trying to make sure he can build up his stamina. As of now, it appears that what the jets have been doing with Becton all off season basically has been at the advice of Dr. Neil Elitrosh, right? The, the orthopedist whose name has been around the NFL, um, especially in recent years. So, he was the one who advised them originally to keep Beckton at left tackle and not to, you know, to ramp him up slowly and only at a certain point to move him to right tackle. But it appears that Beckton is basically being told, you know, this is your job to not your job to lose, but your job to win. Which makes sense. I mean, they still have a very high first round pick invested in, in Mackay Beckton and you have to get him out there. Because he is a talented guy, it's just a matter of of can he stay on the field and and can he you know can he adapt to to the right side? So he did play on the right side in college, although That's the, right. those were his first snaps in the NFL on the right side. The bigger concern about the right side wasn't so much if he was going to adapt, but more he said that it it puts puts extra pressure on his right knee 
or uh, on his knee, the knee, the surgically repaired knee for when he plays on the right side. So that was one of the reasons that they kind of slow played him um, on that, on that, you know, I, I was saying from the time Becton got hurt last year that the Jets had to go into this season acting as if Becton wasn't on the team, meaning that they had to have an ironclad plan at tackle that did not include Mekhi Becton. And if the Jets don't end up succeeding this season, uh, that could be the main reason why they did not come into this pl- this season. They they stood pat in free agency. They let um, you know the pick swap prevent them from getting a tackle. Although I have to say I was not too disappointed by that. And they, you know, and and if again if 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 the season is a failure, the offensive line could be the what does the, does them in. Just a quick Mackay Becton story. I remember I was at the combine the year that mm-hmm. he was drafted. And Mackay Becton, I was standing right in front as he stepped up to the podium. And the podium, they're they're up above us to begin with. And he's, you know, six foot eighty and nine thousand pounds. And he's the biggest human being I think I've ever seen in my life. And I went to ask him a question. And he was so big that I completely froze because he was the biggest person I think I've ever seen in my entire life. Thank God for Tom Rock at Newsday, who was standing behind me and banging me on the shoulder, like taking me out of my trance. <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he, was, he was so big, I went to speak and I was completely frozen. I just couldn't. Yeah. I was like, uh. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, so so that that's my Mackay Becton story. Before we get off the offensive line, I have to ask you about uh, Joe Tipman, about the rookie center, Mm -hmm. because, you know, I was a guy who, you know, there was back and forth over whether Tipman was the better center or John Michael Schmitz in in the draft. And most people said Schmitz. I was a Tipman guy. Schmitz has looked really good for the Giants. So the question there will always be sort of a, a back and forth comparison a little bit. So how has Tipman looked uh, so far for the Jets? So Tipman in the preseason, he didn't play that well last week, but the first two games he played very well. The The big part with him is that he was buried in the with the third team for a nice part of training camp. And, you know, I think he's moved up since then, but – um, and, and it could be the Jets were just slow playing him, but they also seem, you know, Salah definitely seems surprised that Tipman played as well as he did in the first two preseason games, you know, because the Jets had the whole, um, the Hall of Fame game. So against Cleveland and then against Carolina, um, you know, he, the, the, the big thing with Tipman from what I could tell is two things. Number one, he cannot snap out of shotgun so far. Hmm. Um, literally cannot. The snaps have been horrific so and i i hadn't realized this but apparently he didn't do it that often in college like most of their offense was under center so if you can't snap if you can't get the snap directly back you're not starting at center um but second of all and this this is the main reason why he probably wasn't even given a shot rogers did probably did not want a rookie center so even if it was schmitz there's a good chance, you know, the Jets brought back Connor McGovern as their, who was their center for the last three years. They brought him back on a $1.9 million deal. Um, but he's pretty much going to be the starter until, you know, I, it remains to be seen whether Tipman can, can overtake him, but McGovern is going to start. That being said, I, 
you know, this is this is the thing about Tittman. You can see from the first two preseason games, he's very, very talented. Um, and I could see why you thought that he was better than, than Schmitz. The thing is, I think Schmitz is probably the better center right now. Tittman has a higher ceiling. so it Provided was he learns to snap. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I mean, as a, as a blocker, yeah. Yes. He has a higher ceiling. And I think one of the reasons is because he is just his athleticism and the way he... First of all, like you watch him on screens and it pops out like how he, you know, him getting in front and pulling and just, you know, knocking guys out. But also he's a better, from what I could tell, he's a better pass blocker than Schmitz is. Um, Schmitz might be, you know, more refined in the run game, but Tittman, Tittman as a pass blocker is more, is more reliable. And I think that the Jets ultimately took Tittman because of his athletic upside. The Jets generally go for very athletic players. Uh, their offensive and defensive schemes are, are, you know, predicated on that athleticism. So I think that they went with a higher upside pick. The only reason that I would say that was a mistake is because they're trying to win this year. I wonder if Tipman eventually ends up at guard. So it's a good question because Tipman, first of all, he's six foot six. So, um, you know, being at center who's six foot six, it's always more challenging, you know, trying to get his pad level low. The thing is, he did play guard. Actually, he started at guard last week. He didn't look very comfortable with it. But again, he's a rookie and he's trying to learn two new positions. You know, I still think the Jets want him at center. Um, I'm assuming that that's where his where his upside is. But yeah, he's going to have to learn how to snap. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels. But now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between so you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, and 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You know, Rivka, as we record this, it's midday on Thursday. The Giants made some big news Thursday morning, trading a seventh-round pick for Isaiah Simmons. Before we talk about uh, your take on that a little bit, the Jets had kind of a busy day themselves on uh, on Wednesday with uh, what the rest of us saw as a very surprising sort of retirement announcement by Corey Davis, although he used the I'm stepping away from football, I'm not retiring phrase. I'm just curious, A, did you see that coming? And B, what impact does it have on the Jets uh, on the Jets roster this year? 
So I was shocked. I mean, I was absolutely blown away. And I think most Jets fans were. But by the same token, there was something not quite right about what was going on with Corey Davis from really the OTAs. He wasn't there for OTAs. They said it was because he he had a second child. Then he's been missing for a lot of training camp. For one reason or another, he's been away for the last week. Um, Salah kept just saying it was a personal matter. Then Salah came out and said they didn't know if they were going to have Davis for week one, and then this happened. So it kind of like, you know, he hadn't been very involved, so it kind of felt like something was going on with him. But the fact that 28 years old and that he chooses to step away, it seems like there's something personal going on over there that, that you know, is not known yet but from the way everyone was talking with him uh, about him Salah said something like my heart goes out to him and his family so it sounds like there's definitely something personal that that prompted this by the same token the the Jets beat has very much been saying like like Rich Semini of ESPN even said oh it feels like Davis could get cut the Jets could save ten and a half million dollars by cutting him he hasn't been here I thought that was absolutely ridiculous because the way the way I saw it and I think the way anyone who's really watched Corey Davis play saw it is that Davis should have been their number two receiver. Um, Alan Lazard. Yeah. He was signed for 11 million a year, but Lazard has always been at his best when he's a lower volume target. And last year when he had a higher volume, yes, his, his, actual box score stats look nice, but the truth is if you watch his film, first of all, he a drop machine um, catch technique is terrible, but also he's very stiff he, um, you know, he doesn't create a lot of separation. He makes his, he makes a lot of his, you know, he makes his money basically boxing guys out on deep balls. So, you know, again, he does, he would be better off as the third receiver and Davis who, when he was healthy in Tennessee had two really good years, including one where he played second fiddle to AJ Brown and he put up nearly a thousand yards receiving. So, it was it, it's it's a big blow for the Jets because now you have everyone in the receiving room is one spot above where they should be. You have other than Garrett Wilson. So Garrett Wilson's their clear number one. But then you have Lazard who should be number three instead he's number two. And I know a lot of people thought no Lazard was their number two and Davis was being phased out. But again, if you watch a film, if you've watched him play, that should not have been the case. Um then you have McCall Hardman, who is presumably the number three receiver now. I mean, Hardman couldn't get out of the number four in Kansas City. You'd think that a guy with that kind of speed would find a way to crack, you know, crack a little bit more playing time. The thing is, he's extremely raw as a route runner. He served best as a gadget, gadget player and occasional deep threat. So that's not a guy you want as your number three receiver. And then number four is Randall Cobb, who I think that there's a misunderstanding out there that he's completely washed. He's he's slow at this point, but he's still a pretty decent route runner. So he can get open when you need it over the middle. But again, as a number five receiver, he I was thrilled to have him. I know a lot of people were like, oh, Rodgers is just bringing in his friends. I thought it was a good move, but as a number four receiver, I don't know about that. So let's talk about, let, let, let me ask you to put your Giants hat on for a second and just give me your take on the Isaiah Simmons trade by the Giants that sort of uh, came out of left field on Thursday morning and feels to me like a really good trade for a guy like Wink Martindale, who loves his positionless defense, even if Isaiah Simmons doesn't have to be a star for the Giants, in in my view, 
to be a guy that helps this team. So he, I, I see it as a no risk, um, potentially high reward kind of move. Um, you know, again, trading a seventh round pick, how many seventh round picks, uh, you know, notwithstanding some of the, maybe the giants, but you know, the, they, they traded almost nothing for him. They got a guy who was a number eight overall pick who, you know, had kind of an uneven career in his previous place because he never really, they never really figured out what to do with him as a sort of chess piece, but that's exactly the kind of player that Wink Martin, Martindale does the best with. And if nothing else, you could see it as an upgrade for some of the depth that the Giants lack at several positions, whether it's slot corner, whether it's linebacker, you know, off-ball linebacker, whether it's edge, you know, the Giants will put him wherever it is, you know, just getting, just getting to the, just getting to the quarterback, you know, the, all the different exotic blitzes that Wink likes to, likes to dial up. This is a kind of player that's perfect for that. So he doesn't have to be a star, but if he can contribute more, like, I mean, think about what the Giants had last year on the field. They had Landon Collins playing linebacker for a lot of this, you know, for a and lot Tony of Tony Jefferson and Jalen Smith. Exactly. And, and Jalen Smith. Yep. So I, I think that the bar for him being for this being a worthwhile trade is basically at zero. I mean, he he, all, I basically all he has to do is be on the field um, at times, and you know, and it'll be a, it'll be a win for the Giants. So I I, I see it as a good move, um, definitely, and I think this is a good situation for him to land in because of the way Wink plays defense. I do as well, simply for the fact that he doesn't have to be the quote-unquote number eight overall pick in the draft. He doesn't have to play to that level to help this team because the Giants have Kayvon Thibodeau. They have Aziz Ojolari. They have Bobby Okereke. He just needs to use his athleticism to make some plays, and he needs to be better than uh, than O'Shane Zimenez. He needs to be better than Carter Coughlin. Yeah, to, that, to help this team. That bar, you know, again, the bar is low, and all he has to be is the guy who was traded for a seventh round pick. Right. So it's it's yeah, it it was a good move all around. Let me ask you about uh, a former Jet who looks like a starter for the Giants, and I think we've talked about him before. I think you've written about him, um, Jason Pinnock, who looks like he's going to be a starting safety for the Giants. Has done some incredibly athletic things. And, uh, you know, I like this kid. I think this kid has tremendous upside and, and you can see with the way he's playing, you can see why the giants were comfortable in letting Julian love go. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, again, jet fans were very upset when the, when the jets cut Pinnock last year, um, you know, he had transitioned to safety the year before and people were very excited about the games he played. Yeah, he had some not so great lapses in coverage, but overall he looked like, you know, a guy who was worth developing. So then when the Giants picked him up, Jets fans were very, very upset. Um, the the thing about Pinnock that I think I wrote was that I, I still believe that his best spot is being in the box more. Um, you know, again, Wink likes to use him as a blitzer. The thing is, last year, it's funny, I was going through that film, the the film that we didn't end up posting in my article, but one thing I found is that when Pinnock was near the line of scrimmage, he almost always blitzed last year. Um, very rarely did he, you know, occasionally he didn't, but more often than not, like you saw Pinnock anywhere near the line and he was coming. And I think that opposing defenses knew that because his role was so sort of splintered. It was like either he was playing 20 yards off the line of scrimmage or he was playing right there and he was coming. 
So I think mixing it up with him a little bit more, playing him in the box, but not necessarily blitzing, having him come up, fake a blitz, and then and then back out of it, which he did from time to time. But again, he a lot of times he would blitz. So he, you know, just and and letting him kind of use that athleticism in the run game and as a, you know, again in coverage closer to the line of scrimmage. I think that that might be, be better for his skill set. We'll see what the Giants end up doing with him because he played he played a lot of deep safety last year. He played, um, you know, again, the same way the Giants, Giants sort of rotated their safeties, um, you know, deep. Like, Love played plenty of, plenty of single high snaps, even though, you know, again, you think of him more also as the guy that was closer to the line, run game, tackler, you know, aggressive kind of downhill type of safety. But I mean, I'm I'll be curious to see how the Giants use Pinnock because I still think that McKinney is better suited for that single high role than than Pinnock is. And now they'll probably switch it up. But again, McKinney in the year before Wink came played like I don't know, close to maybe seventy percent of his snaps deep, and then last year it was more like fifty seven percent. So I, I I do think between the two that McKinney has more range and is better in, is better in coverage, even though he didn't necessarily show it last year. But that that's that's my take on 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 McKinney and Pinnock. But I, I do think that Pinnock has the potential to be a real you know to have a, a big impact on the Giants. Last thing for you, and uh, I have to ask. Obviously, a lot of expectations for the Jets. We're going back to your Jets hat. Okay. Last, so expectations are high for this team. Is this going to end well, or is it going to be a disaster? You know, look, for the Jets, it always ends poorly. That's just the <laughs> the rule. But you know, you you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take, and I think after the Zach Wilson disaster, they had to shoot their shot. They had to take the best shot that they had. Um, you know. Whether or not it works out, it's a very hard time to be in the AFC. If the Jets played in the NFC, and especially not in the, uh, you know, if they played in the NFC South or something like that, um, you know, obviously the path to toward, you know, through through the through the regular season into the playoffs would be a lot easier. You know, again, as a Jet, you know, someone who's followed the Jets for a long time, you always expect it to end in disaster. So you're always hedging, you know, kind of hedging your bets on it. And it definitely has the potential to, mainly because their offensive line and the receiver situation and the fact that they play a brutal schedule. I, You know, I, I hesitate, and I, it's funny, you know, they had the Sean Payton uh, uh, making pretty pretty uh, direct comments about Nathaniel Hackett and about the Jets. He basically called the Jets the, uh, you know, the pre, you know, like the training camp, uh, not the, the like off season darlings, the ones who just tried to make a splash in free agency, but aren't really, you know, actually going for it and putting in the work. That's kind of what the Broncos were in 2022. The night before he said that I had made the same comment. So I couldn't fault him for it because I had literally said the same exact thing. I said, if everything goes poorly, the Jets could be exactly the same as the 2022 Broncos. Great, you know, very good defense. Um, quarterback that just can't get, get it going, uh, you know, with the offense. You know, again, Denver lost several players to injury, so it was different. But it, there is definitely the potential there for a 7-10 and 10 season. Um, you know, if... 
there's also there's definitely the potential there for them to be really good. They have a ton of weapons offensively and defensively. Their defensive line looks like it's, you know, it's absolutely stacked. Um, you know, you have Quinn and Williams who 12 sacks last year, absolute game wrecker. You know, Sauce Gardner, DJ Reed, really good cornerback duo. Michael Carter the second in the slot, really good nickel corner. You know, now you have to actually play the games. <laughs> Yes, you do. All right. And uh, the Giants and Jets have to play Saturday night and get through that game before we find out uh, how these teams set their 53-man rosters. And we'll have all the uh, all the coverage you guys need of that as the Giants uh, set their roster by Tuesday's deadline. Rivka, thank you very, very much. Giants I- fans. Oh, sorry. Oh, I was just going <laughs> to say thanks for having me. Always, always. You've got to. Gotta love that Jets insight, you know. We gotta love that. Wearing two hats at one time, you know. Yeah. Plus, 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 being a mom there, you got. I, I know the kids are running around back there too. So, yes, you gotta. So, so, uh, you know, we we gave you a little. We gave you a chance to hide from them for a few minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, definitely, yes. and I will take that. <laughs> All right. Giants fans, thank you as always for listening. Please stay safe out there, take care of each other, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.